The Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 42, Leading Through the Generations, Millennials, and Behind the Scenes. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, to The Leaderpreneur Show the podcast for leaders to deepen their knowledge while exploring an entrepreneurial journey of their own. I'm your host, Stephen Faust, and I'd like to personally thank you today for taking the time to join us for some leadership discussion and learn how we are operating our online businesses behind the scenes. If you like the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by going to leaderpreneurshow.com and smashing that subscribe button. And we'd be honored to have you as a regular listener. Today, as always, I'm joined by my great friend, my co-host. He's Michael Tanner. Michael, my friend, how is it going this week, sir? Doing okay? Man, Stephen, I'm good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. As usual, love and life, things are going Pretty good. I'm not going to talk too much about the weather because we're recording this a little bit later than usual. It's, uh, oh, well, let me check. It's, oh, it's, it's still. Kinda, it, surely it's cooled off a little bit. Yeah, it has. It's 106 right now. Oh, well, you're still in triple digits, though. It's, it's oh, you know, wow. 7 p.m. Uh, in Arizona. So it's still it's still a little warm, but all in all, we can't. But, you know, we had a little bit of rain uh, the other night, two nights ago. It rained like the Dickens. It was just pouring. And um, Dickens, that's like that sounds like something that happens here in Georgia. That's like, like the Dickens. That's a Southern or a Boomer phrase. I'm not <laughs> sure which one that is. But no, things are going well. I'm glad to be uh, here with you this week talking about this continuing uh, this continuing discussion on generations. What's on tap tonight, my friend? Yeah. So uh, today we're going to get to the millennial generation. So G- our Gen Y. Uh, so last week we talked about, you know, folks in our age bracket, that was Gen X. Uh, now we're going to be talking about Gen Y, or in other words, uh, or uh, how most people refer to this generation as the millennial generation. And then uh, wouldn't you know it, the next week is Gen Z. Um, now, don't ask me as a part of all of this, what comes after Gen Z? So, Because I have no idea. I do. It's Gen uh, AA. <laughs> I, what I'm thinking is by the time... Uh, Jen, whatever comes next, gets into the workforce. You and I'll be out of the leadership roles we're in. And stuff. Yeah, we'll be in a rocking chair. Matter. We'll be in a rocking chair. You'll be dealing exactly. with your honeybees down in Georgia, and I'll be uh, I'll be trying to get around the golf course somehow in some some yes. sort of cart. Totally agree. So so yeah. So today we're going to be leading millennials, right? Leading millennials, and so uh, let's first talk about well, what is the what is the the date range for that? Um, Millennial generation is born between 1980 and 1994. And some of the numbers that I saw, there's as many as 73 million millennials in, uh, in the United States. Uh, so that's obviously a lot of, uh, of millennials. Um, and I, we, we talked about this, I think, before in the previous podcast episodes, but we got to be really careful with saying, well, millennials are from 1980 to 1994 uh, because those aren't necessarily hard and fast boundaries. And I think you even brought up in our, in our past podcast that, you know, when you do a Google search for, for the definition of these generations, you're going to get different numbers from different searches. Uh, but also as individuals, as you're leading individuals, you may 
have someone that falls within these date ranges, but they exhibit more characteristics maybe of a Gen X than they do of a millennial and so forth. So, so don't put hard and fast boundaries around these dates. We're just kind of sharing these with you so that you can kind of gauge the age of, you know, the members on your team and, and in general, put them into one of these generations. But today we're going to be talking about leading the, the uh, millennials. How's that sound? Sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Let's do it. All right. So, you know, maybe you feel this way, Stephen. I don't, I don't know, but I, I want to first offer to those millennials that are listening. I want to first offer an, an apology, right? I think you guys in the millennial generation, maybe you've got a bad rap. Um, I, I, and I think probably some of this comes from, uh, you know, these boomers that are in leadership um, roles or folks like Stephen and I in the Gen X generation, we're in leadership roles and I think for a long time, we've looked at millennials and said, well, they're just a bunch of entitled brats and just young kids. And, and, and really, I view that really as a, a failure of leadership on our part. I think it was a failure of, of our leadership ability to just recognize that millennials, they view life a little differently than we do. We can talk tonight about why that is and so forth. But um, I, I think as leaders, we got to get away from this idea of, well, all millennials are entitled and they're just brats and they're just hard to lead and so forth. Um, I don't think that's true. I think we'll talk some, some ways, some important ways to lead millennials tonight, but it's on us as leaders to lead them well and not on them to, uh, to change the reputation that frankly, I feel like we've put on them. It's on us to lead them. So we're going to talk about, we've got five bullet points for our audience tonight on how to lead millennials. And the first one we're going to jump into, I've said this many, many times in all of my leadership coaching, but I believe it applies to millennials probably more than any other group. And that is leadership is about relationship or it's about the connections that you can make. So if you've got a set of millennials on your team, it's really, really important as their leader that you establish some relationships with them, that you establish some connections with them. And I'm not talking about that you, especially if you're the older generation like me and you, or even a boomer, I'm not talking about you're trying to be their best friend. I'm not talking about you're trying to get in there and, and use all the lingo and, and, and terminology that they use and, and that you're trying to express interest in the same maybe video games or whatever that they might be interested in. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about you've got to, be willing as a leader to spend some time with them, have some conversations with them, even conversations that aren't work-related in order to establish some, establish some connection and some relationship with them. Because for this generation, that type of connection and relationship to their leader is really, really important. It's far more important the level of relationship that you have with them than it is the view of authority that they have, right? So you may have some super fancy title, but that doesn't mean a whole lot to a millennial. You, you have a relationship with them and it means the world, right? And I've got some theories that we can maybe talk about as to why this is so important to millennials, but, but just recognize that as a leader, you've got to establish some connections with these folks. You've got to establish some relationship because they're much more influenced and impressed by that, your efforts to do that, than they are by your position or your title. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I'm thinking about thinking about these relationships with millennials and why that is such an important aspect for this generation. And I think of this in terms of of where does work fall on the priority list for millennials? It's as a generation X person, myself, yourself, and and you know, 80 million others out there. And to some extent, the boomers as well is is work is a def, is a definition of who we are in so many regards. Not everybody's the same. Boomers really is Gen X, maybe not quite as much. But for me, being an early Gen X guy, I've defined myself in terms of my work. And like I said in the last podcast episode, that I'm not, although I'm not proud of it, I've often placed work ahead of everything else in my life. And I've learned that as I've gotten older, that that's not necessarily the the best way, the best approach, the most healthy, but that's the way I lived a a good part of my life. And for a millennial, this generation, it's not that they don't view work as as an important aspect of their life. They view other aspects of their life equally important as work or more important. Whereas for me, work was number one. And then there was a big gap between number one and number two. And then there were a bunch of things, two, three, four, and five. Millennial has an equivalent to, to me of three or four number ones. Work may or may not be one of those three or four number ones, but other things certainly are. And if you don't have the relationship that is beyond you know, a project that they're working on, an expectation that you have, a way that they're being successful in their areas of responsibility. If you can't connect with them in a level that aligns your relationship to the things they view most important in their lives, which is may or may not include work in the top five, you're going to miss an opportunity to make a deep connection that can go beyond just are they being successful in their job. When you have the other aspects of that relationship, uh, you know, tuned in, tuned up, and you can connect with them on those other things, they like to. I know a lot of millennials. My, I have two, two, I have more than two, three. Let me see, one, two, three. I have four, four millennial children, and they all love to hike. They all love the outdoors. They all love to do these things. I'm not saying. You know, that's a stereotype, but for my children that are in that generation, they love these other aspects of life and nature and connection and work is important, but it's not the Holy Grail. And I think there's got to be a connection with those other things. If you're going to take your level of relationship to the next level and get to where you need to go at work with these folks. So that's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, you know, in, in like your children with hiking and all that, I, I think um, that's a case in point around the bad reputation. I think that we've put on millennials, not all of them are are hung up on video games or whatever. And, and frankly, if they are, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? They enjoy video games. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but I, I think again, they, they are suffering from this reputation that we've put that on all of them. And that's just not true. But I think also what you're talking about is, is very true in the sense that, Millennials don't tie their identity to the to what they do near as much as the boomers and our Gen X generation does, right? If if you ask, you know, 
someone in Gen in Gen X or or even the Boomer generation, you know, if you just ask kind of the open ended question, what do you do? We're almost always, especially us guys, we're almost always going to give you our title at work. If you ask a millennial, what do you do? Their title at work, as you're talking about, their title at work may be third or fourth thing that they give you, right? They, oh, I enjoy hiking. Like your, your kids are, you're, they're more likely to talk about those things in an open-ended question like that than, than they are what they do at work. Uh, but you ask a boomer, what do you do? They're certainly going to give you their title at work or, or, or what they do at work or where they work or something like that. Um, so I think you're exactly right. Gen X doesn't, or, or I'm sorry, Gen Y, the millennials, they don't near tie their identity to what they do at work near as much as we do. Yeah, that's so, a fact. You know, and it, it goes to that that point. I, I have a, a millennial at work uh, that I pretty close to as far as a work relationship. And hey, how was your weekend? Uh, you know, you asked me how my weekend was. Chances are, I'm going to tell you the things I did for work. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, I did this. Yeah, I had that phone yeah. call. I did. The you know, first thing he tells me is he he and his fiance love escape rooms. They go all around and do escape rooms. He's giving me the intricate details of the Big latest, deal, yeah, the latest yeah. escape room he was out of. And then like 10 minutes in the conversation, it's like, oh yeah, and I'm working on this project over here. He's excellent. He's excellent, right. but it's yeah. not what yeah. comes to his mind. Yeah. And as a leader, you got to be willing to go there with exactly. him. Exactly. You be willing to make that connection. And again, maybe you know nothing about escape rooms. And that's okay. Don't pretend that you do or fake it or whatever. Yeah. Just be curious with the guy about, well, tell me how that went. Well, tell me some of the things that, that were a part of this escape room. Just be curious about it because it's building that relationship. It's building that connection that, it, as I said, is so much more important to them than your title is. And I learned tons from the, from the millennials, right? Sure. They're yeah. into things yeah. that I've never even thought of being into. And to sit and listen to their experiences and to say, wow, you know, I never thought of it that way. I'm learning tons for the, from these folks. And I think it's great. I, I, it's great to have all these different perspectives in business and in life. If, if I have any chance at all at being a cool old geezer, it's going to be because of the relationships and connections I'm making with millennials, you know, and, and, and learning all these cool things and new things that they're doing. Cool old geezer. Is that, is that in our future? Cool, two cool <laughs> old geezers on their phones doing cool stuff. I, I know <laughs> I'm going to be an old geezer pretty soon. I hope I'm a cool old geezer. Oh, you, man. That's good stuff. So let's talk about number two. As a leader, number two that you've got to be with millennials is you have to be flexible, right? You've got to be flexible. Uh, and there's a number of different ways that we mean this, that you've got to be flexible. Um, you know, one, I think probably one of the most controversial ways to be flexible with, uh, with millennials, especially for us Gen X and, and boomers, is where they work and how they work, right? The, the, the idea of remote work. And, and I think us boomers and us Gen X folks, we're becoming more comfortable with that through this whole COVID pandemic thing where we're forced into working remote. And I think we're having some aha, moment, aha moments where we look and say, well, you know what? Work can get done while everybody's at home. But you just got to recognize with the millennials, flexibility around, you know, working remote and things like that. They've never lived in a world where technology didn't exist such that those things made it possible, right? 
And they're very, very comfortable with that technology and they're very, very comfortable working in that way. And again, I know for us and the boomers, that's just not the way we worked in the beginning. And, and it's different, it's change. And, and, and we can begin to lead with that inflexibility and really what you're going to do when you lead, when you don't offer that level of flexibility with millennials, uh, then, you know, you just kind of, you're not giving them the opportunity that, that, and the freedom that they're seeking as millennials. And so you, you just got to be flexible where they work, time they work, how they work, you know, stand up desk versus sit down desk, all kind of different things that millennials are looking for as it relates to flexibility. And, and as an effective leader, you're going to want to be flexible with them. You know, when millennials were born, they were born into this world already connected, right? The yes. world was connected and they, to your point, have known no other way, no other alternative, no other struggle with the way we came up. So they, they live this life to them. It's completely normal. I've, I've read something recently where uh, talking about a person was born deaf and how they're now, you know, in their twenties and, and getting different therapies and the chance to hear again. Well, it's not again, it's not again. And, and all these people feel sorry for them and, oh my gosh, how horrible that is for that person. And that person said, I've never been able to, well, they said it through their, their you know, sign language and, and those things, mm -hmm. but I've never been able to hear. I've, I have no perspective on life any other way. So to me, this is not a disability. This, right. this is not a disability. This is the way I've been taught, just like everybody's been taught to read and write and, and do these things. I've been taught sign language and all of these things. To me, uh, this is not a disability. And it's, we, we look at millennials and think, okay, millennials know the world the way the world is today. They don't know the uniqueness or the difference of, of having to uh, manually type things, a world where the accounting processes in a business were done on an old long form ledger that you pulled out of a drawer and you pulled open the top and you made manual entries with a pencil and a pen. They just don't have that perspective. It doesn't make them bad or good. It just makes them, that's the generation they're in. And they've, and they've known this their whole life. They've known that the world is connected. And we look at them and somehow at times think, boy, they just don't get it. They just don't understand the way the world really operates. And you know what? They don't. And they don't need right. to. And that's the way they've lived their life. So we've got to, through these relationships that we talked about just previously, and how we connect with them, we've got to understand and recognize that they come at things from a unique point of view in comparison to ours. But if you're a millennial leader, you have this point of view and you build a relationship that is much, maybe a little more natural, a little more predictable because you know life like this. But it, it's interesting in flexibility that to a millennial, working remotely is the way that life should be because they always have a phone. They always have an iPad. They always have their laptop. They always are in connection with, with the world. They, they don't know that that is potentially a hindrance. 
it's only a hindrance because people like us, the old fogies, have not adapted as fast as they have adapted, which is just instinctively they've adapted that way. So we've got to be flexible through these relationships. We've got to recognize that, again, work may be number seven on their priority list. Other things may be more important. Their ability to work remotely or work at, work at different times of the day based on when things of importance are happening in their life, that's a big deal to them. And we have to think about our business. It's, does our business really require an eight to five mentality? Does work, does work that gets done at 9 p.m. or 4 a.m. really cause the business not to be successful? If it does, then okay. But if it doesn't, what are you doing as a leader to build flexibility? And because when you find great millennials that bring the, the, the value to the business, you've got to retain them. And to retain them is to be flexible. And if you're not flexible and you can't retain them, you have lost out on a great asset and resource. And you know what? Another employer, another business will make that accommodation. So you got to think about that in terms of not just where you are today, but the organization you want to build for tomorrow, the future of the organization, and how you want to retain those folks that bring the talent to the table. So that's, to me, how you think about flexibility. Yeah, you definitely got to view the millennials in your team as the future of your business or the future of your team, right? I mean, folks like you and me and the boomers, I mean, we're, you know, we're you know, one foot out the door in terms of retirement and, and, and things like that already. And so you, you've got to look at the millennials as the future and and do the things that you can to retain them. And, and certainly flexibility is going to be one of those, you know, key factors to being able to uh, retain them. And, and, you know, I know that there are leaders that, um, that that's just not the way they've worked. And so they struggle with that. Other times, leaders struggle with this this issue of trust, right? Can I trust a millennial to sit at home and get the work done? Um, and I, you know, I think what I would say to that is, millennials are willing to earn that trust. Right? And so, if if that's your challenge, if that's your struggle with being flexibility with a millennial, have a a, a relationship with them deep enough that you express that with them. Hey, I tell you, here's what I'm struggling with. I, you know, I just want to make sure that the work still gets done while you're at home and. And it's in a timely manner, good quality, and and so on, right? And and they're willing to put in the work to build the trust necessary to, to receive that flexibility uh, that they're that they're seeking. So don't assume they're not willing to to one. Don't assume that they're untrustworthy, and don't assume that they're not willing to to you know put in the effort, the work necessary to build the trust to get that flexibility that they're seeking. Um, and so let's let's move on to number three. Number three, I'd share this with you. It, and this goes a little bit deeper in the, the idea of leading by communicating the purpose or the why behind what you're doing. You know, we talked about a little bit like, uh, in, a, in the previous episodes around boomers. They did work just because it needed to be done. You're in my generation, Gen X. We started getting a little bit more into that. Well, why are we doing this? Why are we taking these steps? Why are we going after this particular strategy? Or why did we make that decision? Well, the millennials, they're taking that to the next level, if you will. Millennials want to understand a real and deeper purpose around what they're doing, right? They, 
they see the value in what they're doing in the deeper purpose that's associated with it. And what I mean by that deeper or more real purpose, the purpose of making money isn't sufficient for a millennial. For folks in, you know, like us in the Gen X, certainly the boomers, do the work for the purpose of making money, that's certainly sufficient. For the millennials, that becomes insufficient, right? They want to understand, is there a, a, a deeper purpose in what I'm doing? Is there some kind of, you know, you know benefit to, to, to the life of my customer or benefit to the life of the people that, that we're serving or, right? They, they want that more meaningful, deeper, real purpose. So, you know, when I think about this, I, I think about, uh, the old parenting uh, adage where, you know, the parents or the child says, well, why do I have to do that? And, and, and mom or dad says, because I said so, right? Too many leaders, when they're asked, well, why do we need to do that? We, we come back with answers like, well, because this is how we make money or this is how we grow our business. And those little answers for a millennial are going to be viewed as insufficient. Right. And so you've got to be able to connect the work that millennials are doing to a deeper, more meaningful purpose than just the almighty dollar or, or to, to grow the business in some way. Yeah. And, I, and as you say that, I'm thinking about, about how millennials work and the purpose of which they work. And we talked about the priorities and is work up there, or was it number five or seven on the list? And, and it's, it's about the trade-off. So they value, to me, it's, when I look at this, I, I say, okay, a millennial looks at this in terms of uh, a trade-off of money earned versus time spent doing other things in my life that I enjoy equally or more. And it's not a, you, you know, you ask a boomer or a, a Gen Xer for the most, most cases that, hey, if you do these things, you're going to make more money. Or, you know, we're going to say, okay, what are those things? And uh, we may ask why a few more times. A boomer say, I'm there, just sign me up. Uh, a millennial say, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Now, let me understand that a little bit more. Now, let me in my head evaluate how that fits into my life and priorities. And just because it's more money is not necessarily uh, something I'm going to say yes to. It's going to be, I have other things and desires in, in my life that I want to take advantage of. And, and it's not necessarily about the money. So the purpose here, the, the deep purpose really comes into focus when faced with those decisions that a millennial might make. It's not with everybody, but a good chunk of millennials will look and, and put that through this filtering process to see how they think, act, and feel about that possibility. And other things in their life will take on a heavy influence on their final decision. So as a leader, the, again, going back to the, the leadership is relationship. If you have that connection, you understand what's important to them. You can convey it to them uh, in a way that they can connect with. You stand a much greater chance of, I won't use the word convince. What I'll say is uh, influencing them and helping them get to a decision that can be right for them and right for the organization. And that goes back to the second one, which is flexibility. You're gonna have to bring the flexibility of thinking, the flexibility of alternatives into that, because as a millennial, 
they are looking for choices, whereas a boomer or a Gen Xer, we're looking at at more of a discrete way of getting things done. So if you're leading these folks and you think about a creative solutions that can bring in flexibility, that can satisfy some of their desires and goals that may not be consistent with what the organization has, but you can do that. You can solve multiple challenges, retain good employees because you've demonstrated that you're willing to think objectively and be flexible for the millennials in your organization, because that is how they view those things. And uh, it's going to get you a lot further down the road with your business and with satisfying their just built-in needs and the way they think about life. Yep. Yeah, no, so true. I mean, that, that flexibility and that, that real purpose, um, they're connected in that, in a lot of ways, what they're looking for, what millennials are looking for is the flexibility in their own life to go and fulfill whatever deep and meaningful purpose they have for their own, for their life. Right. And, and as we've talked about, their primary purpose in their life is probably not work, right? Again, that's not where they've tied their identity. And so the flexibility is tied to that as well, because what it does, it enables them to go and pursue their own meaningful purpose in their own life as well. So let's talk number four here that I, with our audience and, and uh, to me, this is, this is the one that, that I think where uh, we can talk about how millennials have gotten this, this bad rap from, I believe from, from leaders of the boomer and Gen X generation, but it's this need as a leader, especially for millennials, you've got to be able to share and communicate and define for them a growth pathway or, or a promotion pathway, if you will. Um, You know, millennials are sure there's, there's entitlement in the world. There, there is a, you know, uh, especially in our country today, in the United States today, there is a, a great sense of entitlement. And, and I don't deny that. But I would submit to you that millennials are very, very eager to grow, uh, to, to, to be you know, promoted through the ranks, if you will. They're, they're very eager to uh, take on additional responsibilities and things like that. But recognize where they are. They're, they're, they're younger in their careers and so they need some kind of definition. They need some kind of guidance as to, well, what is the growth pathway in this company, within this company, within this team, what is the growth pathway? And I believe, especially in the past uh, with um, boomers and Gen X leaders for these millennials, as they were asking those questions, I don't think as leaders, we've been doing a very good job of being able to um, communicate that to them, to show them that, you know, I I think too often we assume that they know what it is, or maybe even in our teams and our businesses, we don't even have that really defined very well. Well, if, you know, you stick around long enough, you do a good enough job, we'll promote you to a supervisor. That's not a, that's not enough information. That's not, you know, detailed enough, or, or it's not, it's not certain enough. It's not concrete enough. Right. So these millennials, they, they need to see some type of growth path. They need, to, they need to see and believe that they can improve and grow within this team, within this company. They need to have that confidence that their leaders know what that path is. And so for your millennials, it's just super, super important 
that you have for them and you can communicate to them some type of growth path within your team. Yeah. And when I think of growth path, it's not always a vertical growth path with millennials, sure. right? Yep. They, they want to learn. They want to have an influence in, in life and in business. And it's not just uh, how can I make an extra five or 10 grand a year? Not that that's insignificant or not important, but goes into those decisions are, are things like, I want to learn more about engineering. I want to learn more about operations. You know what? I'd like to see if finance is an area that I would really enjoy. You know, you know, I'd like to get into some customer facing activities to see what that's like. And it's, it's not about a development plan the way that you and I look at it or have historically looked at it. The boomers look at it. We look at it kind of as a, a stair step on a ladder where it's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a step one today. I want to be a, a manager. I want to be a director. I want to be a vice president. I want to be a CEO. I want to, you know, I want to do all these things. And each one comes with some pay and benefit increase and some level of notoriety and, and accountability and responsibility and all these things. And I think that's, you know, very typical of what you might see in our generation. But when you look at millennials, it's about purpose, right? It's about influence. It's about, it's about knowledge gathering. It's, it's, it's about advancement as well, but it doesn't have to be. It can be all of these things that are going to give them a greater depth of knowledge and give them some level of satisfaction that they may not get in other places. So as a leader, as a leader of a millennial and you're sitting down, first of all, you need to be sitting down doing one-on-ones. I think we've all, we've said that, right? So if you're not doing one-on-ones, full stop, you probably need to just stop listening now because you're not going to get the value out of this, but you got to do your one-on-ones. You got to get to know, you got to get to understand, you've got to build the connection and the relationship, you know, and all the things we've talked about, the flexibility and the the depth Mm -hmm. of purpose. And now we're going, okay, now we've built and established this relationship with each other. Now, what can we do together in this two-way process that it's not me saying, hey, Michael, Mr. Millennial Michael, here's your growth plan. I hope you like it because it's done. Pick, you know, right, here right. it comes, get ready. Three years from now, you're going to be in this role. <laughs> That's just where you're going to be. No, well, the chances are you're not going to get to three years because millennial Michael will have checked out and went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You got to think of this growth plan as a two-way collaborative process to really uh, seek to understand what is important to your employee, to your millennial, insofar as things that interest them, motivate them, challenge them, things that they just want to maybe dip their toes into as an opportunity to, to learn and know more. So you've got to put your plan together and be flexible with your plan. Make sure your plan identifies different avenues because it may not be a, a ladder. It could be, it could be three forks in a road that they could go a technical path, a leadership path, a customer facing path and giving options across all of those to help them see what the future could be and the possibilities. And then that keeps them, in my view, interested in, in going through and performing and, and getting to that growth curve where now they can have choices. You do that, you're going to have good retention. You're going to have uh, a good performance because I think they're going to see what the future looks like. And if you have the future defined in those terms, you stand a much greater chance to 
to actually see that through and to get those folks down that path successfully. Yeah, such a great point there, Stephen. I mean, a growth path or promotion path, especially for millennials, to the point you were making, it's not a a linear path upward, um, you know, through through an org chart and through a a set of titles like you were describing. Uh, uh, Millennials, for instance, they view um, company-offered training as a growth path, whereas, you know, folks in our generation and, and before us, we never even considered much uh, this idea of company offered training. We just thought we, you know, got to learn it on the job, on the job training, or, you know, got to make my mistakes and learn from them and move on. Or, or I've got to take it on myself to, to learn these things. Right. But whereas millennials, you know, if you have a growth path that, that, you know, it, it, to the point you're making, it's not necessarily a promotion here. Let me tell you how to make the next title. But let me learn, let me show you how to learn more about engineering or, or sales or, you know, whatever role you're in. So it could be training could be as a part of this growth path that you're defining and, and so forth. So, yeah, it's so multidimensional, but you've got to be willing and able to sit down with the millennials and say, here's how you can grow within this team. You, you got to be able to offer that to them. And then uh, kind of associated with that, lastly, I would share this. Leaders of millennials, we really have to consider ourselves as a coach to those millennials or, or a mentor or a teacher. Use whatever um, word you want there. Uh, we're not just their leader. We're certainly not their dictator or their supervisor or their commander. We've got to view ourselves as coach. Again, we've talked about these are folks that are, are rather young, rather new in their career. Um, they, they're looking for that growth path. They want to know that it's defined and, and it's got a purpose behind it and all that. But they need us, not only as their leader, but just as their senior, if you will, right? That we're the Gen X or the boomer. They need our experience to then coach them through that growth path or, or, you know, in, in, in that type of thing. So it's just super, probably more important than any other generation that we, as their leader, we view ourselves as a coach, be patient with them and teach them rather than just try to, you know, give them commandments and, 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 you know, mandates to go and do the work. Instead, we've got to, We've got to teach them, coach them on the deeper purpose and, and, and all of these things that we just talked about. You've got to be a coach to millennials. Yeah, and I'm convinced that everyone needs a coach. Everybody wants a coach once they realize the value and the benefit of a coach. But for millennials, I think it takes maybe a little different, a little different perspective, whereas sometimes they, they may not know they need a coach or want a coach until they start experiencing the value of coaching because when when there's all of these flexibilities that are that are considered and the growth paths and the linear stair stepping lateral growth paths what it does is it just introduces all of this additional these additional variables and complexities into their career that the boomers and the gen xers typically don't have we kind of you know see the wall we know how many steps it takes to get over the wall and, and we take those steps a millennial they they go around it, they go under it, they go over it, they go through it. They they have these different different ways of getting through a successful career, which means they 
need and require perspective. And if you can connect with them in the right ways, meaning you're doing your one-on-ones, you're having a formal growth and development plan. And I'm not talking about an 18 page document that has, you know, 27 steps on it. It could be, a, it could be on a napkin with a few things pointed out. It doesn't have to be complicated. Complicated will prevent us from ever putting it in place. It could be very basic, very simple, but it's at least adding clarity for millennials on, on the direction that their career could potentially go. But to, to do that, it's really what you're saying, Michael, by saying and having that relationship and doing those things, that is acting as a coach to them, but you got to think of it in these terms. So you're providing the value and the feedback that a good coach would do. And to use your terms, which I love, I wish I would have trademarked it. Maybe I will, if you haven't, is this whole mentality of, of the servant coach, right? It's, right. it's servant coach. It's such a great, great way to, to look at this because it's, it's to serve them and help bring your experience and and your uh, ability to pull clarity from them and to put it into this plan that gets them down this path of a successful career. And they may not know all those inputs or may not understand all the possibilities. As a good coach, you turn that dial of focus in and allow them to see the potential and possibilities of what's out there for them. And if you can do that successfully, and I'm not suggesting it's easy in every step, but if you can do that successfully and you check these blocks of connection and relationships and plan development, I'm telling you, you have a, you have someone on your team that will, you know, absolutely do whatever needs doing to be successful because you are pouring into them and they're going to reciprocate that in, in the way that, you know, fits that relationship and that organization. And I was just thinking about this to, to kind of digress a little bit. That just made me think, here's a term you'll never hear from a boomer or a Gen Xer, but you will hear from millennials. I can't say I've ever even heard this term, but it's called a three-month sabbatical, right? <laughs> so that's another yes. thing you'll, yeah. you'll see. And I've run into this with, with some folks is, you know, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, I just want to take three months and go travel Europe. Yes. That's what yeah. I want to go do. I, w- I wouldn't even know what to do. I, w- I mean, if, if somebody said, go take a three-month sabbatical, I'm, I'm, I would say, what? Are you, you mean not work for three months? To me, that doesn't process. A, a yes. millennial, yes. That's, that's something that they're planning in their mind. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, it goes to that, to that deeper purpose, right? As yeah. I said, as we've talked about, work is not their identity. And, and they have that deeper, more meaningful purpose, even for their own life. And so they've got to find the time to, um, you know, to fulfill that purpose. I, here's another one I, I hear uh, maybe with a, with even the younger generation it's probably a Gen Z uh, generation, but a gap year, right? So in between schools or, or, you know, in between high school and college, you take a gap year and, and you not just lay around on the sofa, but you go do something meaningful or even, after college, before you start work, you take a gap year. And, and, and again, you go and do something purposeful and meaningful. And, and then you get, that was totally foreign to me. No, no, no. You, you, you graduated high school from, you know, on a, on a Saturday. And by Monday you were doing something, right? You were off to the military, you were off to college or you were off to work, right? Whatever. Um, the minute you graduated 
college and right to work, right? This idea of sabbatical or this idea of gap year, uh, those were far, certainly foreign concepts to us, but those types of things are very, very important to millennials. Yeah. Gap year to me sounds like something I have to fund. That's what, <laughs> yes, as, as a parent, yeah. you're exactly right. A gap year means a second job for, for me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and their, and their, uh, their, their place of, uh, of, uh, their home base will be my basement is what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why they, That's exactly well, right. you know, yep, yep. It, it, but, but those things are important and I get it. And I, you know, the older I get and, and I look at life I, I would love to go you know, just take a couple months off and go do some things while I still have good health and be able to do that. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing, but we do it on the back end of life. Or whereas we work our whole life to get to a point where we could enjoy it. They want to enjoy it as they live it, which is just a different perspective. And it, it's kind of the same thing, but the timing is different. And, and frankly, if you ask me now with a little bit of years and wisdom behind me, I think they've got the better approach. Millennials have the better approach. I mean, why run the risk of waiting till you get to 65 and still, still have enough health to go and enjoy life? Why not uh, enjoy life while you know you have that health and use? So they figured it out. You're right. And uh, I, I applaud them for that. And there's a lot to be, there's a lot of to be learned from millennials and there's a lot we can help them learn. And it just, it just says that um, it takes multiple generations to make this, this world turn. And it's, it's great to have this the diversity of thought and the way people look at things. So good, good discussion, my friend. You want to, uh, ready to transition or any, any comments before we move on? No, man, let's jump behind the scenes. I, I, uh, yeah, I've got some things I want to share with the audience about behind the scenes. So I'm anxious to do that. Let's jump back there. All right, let me go first and then I'll hand, okay. the, hand it over to you. For me, I've been, I've been continuing to work on my army promotion points website. I'm at this crossroads now a little bit where I'm getting ready to launch a free, a free two, two. And I, and I say that a little bit because we just had a mastermind meeting where you've convinced me, uh, which helped me convince myself because I've been struggling with this to offer a two video workshop instead of a three video workshop, which I think if you read all the books and the textbooks and the, and the, you know, the people that have been successful will, will say do three, but um, I've given myself permission to, to lower that to a two video kind of workshops, free workshops. So I'm, I'm putting that together. I'll get, get all of that done this week. And then I'll launch that into a funnel to, to, as I get people subscribing to my site, coming in for value around army promotion points and, and learning about the system and how to earn points and how that works and the calculator to calculate their points and all these things to build this value with them over a period of a week or two, then put them into a free workshop where it gives even more value to them at a deeper level so they can connect with me and I can connect with them and, and this whole no like, and trust, uh, you know, um, environment to get there. It now then coming out of that to transition them into a, a paid a course offering, which I'm working towards as well. So again, this is a niche website and I'm designing it to be passive. And you and I were talking before we, we went on uh, uh, this episode tonight. And my comment was, you know, for a passive website, which is by definition, one that pretty much runs on its own. uh, But the reality is passive isn't passive. Passive means that you do a lot of work now. So you can do a lot less work later and enjoy the fruits of all of that upfront work. The thing is, is this upfront work, it's a lot of work, my friend. 
a lot of stuff going on there, right? I mean, there's heavy lifting, there's email sequences, there's all of the the, co- the, the copywriting stuff, there's getting things set up, it's all the landing pages, it's the opt-in forms, it's it's all of these things that that neither you or I are complete experts in that we learn as we go, but it's That's a right. lot of heavy lift and I have a lot more appreciation for this process, having go, gone through it and learning as I go, I will never view building a website for a niche business from scratch to be kind of just, you know, the, the rotisserie, set it and forget it and, and collect your money. A lot of heavy work before you can get a penny of payback. Yeah, no, that's so, so true. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's passive income, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Um, and, and especially to the point you're talking about, all the work necessary to get it to the point of being passive income is uh, is not at all easy work. There's a lot of work to be done, and uh, and it's not easy. It's not uh, it's not uh, you know always straightforward, uh, especially for folks like where you and I are. We've got to make a few mistakes. We've got to correct against those mistakes, and you know, and and, and learn and and grow in that way. So I get yeah. it. I'm I'm right there with you, and that's. You know that's where I am this week as well. I, I mean, I shared with with you guys in in our in our mastermind group that I had a rough week. I had an incredibly rough week on two fronts. One, I don't feel like I got anything done this week. You know, kind of late in the week, I'm looking back and thinking, "Wow, I, I didn't make any progress on this business at all." But then, you know, the second aspect of this rough week was just the the mental aspect. And and I think we've talked on this podcast before about imposter syndrome, but but basically imposter syndrome is where you question yourself and say something along the lines of, well, who am I to, you know, fill in the blank, right? Who am I to lead people? Who am I? So we've talked about that, I think, in the, in the term, you know, in the sense of, of leadership. But where I was this week, you know, I've got a building out this course and uh, to uh, build trust, you know, team trust. I'm rock solid on and confident on the content and, and how to teach it and, and the impact that it can make in teams and leaders. And so super confident in that rock solid on all the content But I think we talked about a little bit last week, right now I'm in that phase of marketing and advertising and, and uh, doing some some webinars where I, I'm going to share content that, again, I'm rock solid on, but also in that content is a sales pitch for the course. And so it's that salesmanship, that marketing, that's where we're getting into uh, the areas that I have zero experience in, uh, you know, very, very little confidence. And so what happened to me this week was this imposter syndrome around well, who are you to promote and sell a course? Who are you to write copy for ads to a course? Uh, and as I was sharing with you guys in our mastermind, it those thoughts and ideas in, in my mind, they snuck up on me to the point I didn't even recognize it until late in the week. And that's some of the reasons why I then look back and, and realize I didn't really get anything done because I got caught up in this imposter syndrome because I'm I'm in a a, a a window of of time here where I'm not comfortable with the things that I need to do around the funnel in the in the in the promotion of this of this course. So that's my behind the scenes is this imposter syndrome and just trying to get over that 
Finally, I think I did. And I'm looking forward to a productive week this week. But uh, it was a tough week for me. Yeah. You know, imposter syndrome, that's a real deal, my friend. I mean, I suffer from it probably. Uh, whew, I If it was, if there was a prescription for it, I'd be all hopped up on pills <laughs> or something. But uh, right. imposter syndrome is a real deal. And, and we spoke earlier about this. The natural outcome of imposter syndrome is procrastination. You know, for me, I had some of that this week, too, and I revert back to my happy place, which is tinkering with my website, which is changing literally, (laughs) quite literally, every button color on my website from red to orange. I got that done this week. And let me tell you, it's beautiful. Those, oh, those buttons are beautiful. I I mean, I can change widths. I I, I agree. Yeah, Yeah. I can change widths. I can change all kinds of things, make it beautiful. And that's my happy place when I when I feel a block in a, in a, you know, just this imposter syndrome, I, I revert back to what I love kind of to do and I'm good at doing and I find comfort in, which is seeing change manifest itself in front of me. And it feels like work. It feels like progress. But I can clearly see that in you, that um, you've, you've got whatever you need to move forward and should be moving forward. You can see it in me, but we can't see it in ourselves at times. Right. You know, that's, that's the key. It's exactly right. It's in, in fill in the blank with what aspect of life this falls into for you out there, but for us and and getting these businesses off the ground, it's a struggle. It's a struggle and it's largely a mindset issue for us. It's a, and we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't have the basic skills, knowledge, and experience to do it. It's not about that. It's about, it's about saying, hey, please buy my thing for X dollars. And it's, it's getting over that mindset hump of becoming a salesperson without becoming a sleazy used car salesperson. It's, it's becoming uh, very confident and knowing that our product is going to help people and add value, which to us, when we look at the content of what we are selling to us, this is like, yeah, that, you know, I think everybody probably knows this stuff, right? Because we've lived it. We know it. We've, we've walked through life with this stuff over the years and take a lot of that for granted. And it's hard to get that out of your head. At least for me, it is. And um, for promotion points, like everybody knows that you can get, uh, you know, 30 points for that. Uh, who doesn't know that? Well, you've told me not everyone knows that, right? Cause it, it, it's not, exactly it's not, right. it's not very obvious unless you just have that experience. So we've got to, right. we've got to get out of our own way sometimes. And again, the beauty of our mastermind group and any type of a group like that is that you have people that, um, you know, give perspective from outside the bottle, looking into you and your situation. And that happened tonight. I was in the hot seat tonight and I got a lot of good feedback. I almost, Feel like I got permission to go from three videos to two. I just needed to hear somebody say that was okay because I couldn't convince myself of it. And now I've heard that I can move on and and more more confidently uh, get to that point. So uh, good stuff. I mean, these are these are challenges that we just continue to work through, and we'll get there. And it's so great to do in connection with each other because without it, I'd, I'd be a, I'd be a basket case. No, I totally agree. And like in your video, you know, three video series versus two and all that, that dilemma that you were faced with. I I know all the names and the authors and the books and everything that you're referencing that says, well, you need three videos. And so I I know that aspect of it. But then when you sit down and you show us, well, here's the content of video number one. Here's the action items and the 
you know, in everything of video number two, then it's clear when you look at that, uh, again, to the point you were making, from an outsider looking in, it's clear, man, you've given these guys lots of great content and you've given given them the quick win that they can go and do and and earn promote you know points towards a promotion and, and you've you've given that to them in two videos to do a third video it, it's going to feel you know made up and and it's going to feel like you're just kind of trying to fill space you've given them the quick win that they that they came looking for so Two videos is, I think that's going to be a, a great solution for those looking for, you know, army promotion points from me. I think it'll, it'll, it'll serve them very, very well. Yeah. And that, that's been really helpful getting that insight tonight. So good discussion, my friend. Uh, we really, really hit the millennials pretty hard this week in, yep. a, in a good way. We really unpacked it and looking forward to next week. You want to, you want to uh, button us up? Yeah, let's do that. So uh, leading millennials, you know, we, we went through several action items there. Uh, again, I, I'll just point out this. As leaders of millennials, it's on us, right? Uh, throw away the bad reputation that we tend to put on millennials. It's on us as leaders to lead them well. And I hope Stephen and I have offered some great bullet points for you this week on, on exactly how to do that. Uh, so you can find the show notes for this podcast episode and every other podcast episode at leaderpreneurshow.com leaderpreneurshow.com. You can find the show notes. So be sure you check that out. Hey, while you're there, share the podcast with others as well. You know, other folks that might benefit from uh, the content Stephen and I share, or just listening to two, two old geezers banter back and forth about uh, leadership. Share that with those that you know will benefit from it. And then also for Stephen, for everything you're going to find uh, about Stephen and everything that he's doing, find that at stephenfaust.com. And then you can find everything that I do, as always, at CredibleLeaders.com. Now, next week, we're going to wrap up this generational series, if you will. We're going to be talking about Gen Z and the, the, the youngins, the, the kids in our workforce today. We'll be talking about leading those next week. So don't miss that. Until Stephen and I speak to you then, be blessed and lead well.